how does God treat the church? And that is an important message because how you believe God treats you is how you're going to treat yourself and is how you will treat others. Uh, as human beings, we've got this, this unique ability um, to duplicate what we behold. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say this again. I'll mention it in, some, uh, uh, in a lot of the messages uh, that come. When Adam fell, what happened was man was removed from um, his relationship with God uh, by not walking in the Spirit of God anymore. In other words, there was not a man seated in the Spirit of God in the Trinity anymore. Uh, therefore, everybody born after Adam could not behold a man in the Trinity. Therefore, they could not be transformed into that glory, for there was no man in the Trinity. They could not have a glorious view and opinion of man as the equal of God, as the God kind, for there was no man uh, walking in the Spirit of God that had uh, the Spirit of God as the, uh, the, the principle of life by which he walked and then when Christ came what Jesus Christ did in his resurrection was that a man was placed in the Trinity and now uh, um, I mean he represents all of mankind therefore wh whosoever can look at the glory of God in the face of Jesus and can see that uh, the glorious report about man which is Jesus you know, when we can see that, we can see where we belong. We can see what kind of a being we are. We can see what God's plan is with us. And we can, as we behold that, and we see that as the only truth in our life, we are shaped and formed by that glory, you know, uh, and the spirit of that glory into the very same image and likeness. Now, what's very important for you to understand, church, is that what you behold in God and what you believe God believes will shape your life. It's important for you to know what God believes about you. And let us quickly have a look at 2 Corinthians. Um, let me just see, where did I put my... I'm sorry about this. I think I've... Putting everything up here. I don't know what I've done with the... Oh, here it is. It's uh, number 11. Uh, I've got 12 scenes here, so I got a bit mixed up here. Uh, scene 11 here. Here we can see um, in 2 Corinthians, I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. And just look at this. <clears throat> um, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, is liberty. We spoke about this last Sunday. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we are changed into the very same image even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Spirit of the Lord will change us into the same glory that we can behold. So the question is, can you see uh, the man in the Trinity and can you see that that man speaks about you? And that's very important. Now let's go to uh, Ephesians. We're going to go to Ephesians quickly. Um, and we're going to get into the message for today. Ephesians 5. Oh, I can just do it like this. Here it is. <clears throat> Verse 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. 
speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. Now, it says there, don't be drunk with wine or intoxicated with wine, uh, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain that. That doesn't mean you are not allowed to drink any alcohol. That's not what it means. I don't want to talk about alcohol, but that's not what it means. What he's trying to say here is, he says, let you, let, let's not get intoxicated or have our life in the joy of becoming drunk, but let us rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean, church? How, how do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? And, you know, we've got, um, you know, I've just watched a, a, a thing on YouTube where people get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the way in which they get filled with the Holy Spirit and what they understand in the filling of the Holy Spirit, um, you know, can, I mean, it can be true that this supernatural thing happens to them and they laugh and they maybe fall on the ground and those kind of things. But I found that that is maybe a sign and a wonder. But the true filling of the Holy Spirit unto a joyous life is when your mind and your heart is saturated with the Spirit wherein God dwells. And the Spirit wherein God dwells is the Spirit of unity, the Spirit of peace, the Spirit of grace, the Spirit of forgiveness, the Spirit of righteousness, the Spirit of joy, which is the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits of God, the very personality, the person of God, the, the emotions and feelings that He feels towards you, and it's true in the Trinity that is the core of God, the very foundation of who God really is. That is the Spirit of God. And He says there, rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in the next verse, he tells us how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you can't pray in tongues, or you say you can't pray in tongues, and you say, but I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. What is, what is the real infilling of the Holy Spirit according to this verse? According to this verse, let's look at how we get filled with the Holy Spirit. Here it is. It says, um, and be not drunk with wine, wherein access, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Now, this is how we are filled with the Spirit. Let me explain to you here what's going on. It says, speaking to whom? Speaking to yourself in Psalms. What is this Psalms? Psalms are Psalms that you could, could have written yourself or hymns. But I believe the Psalms all talks about the Psalms that was written in the Old Testament. You know, where in we can recite what Christ has done. And then we speak to ourselves what Christ has done. So um, what will happen is, when we look at the Psalms, like say, say Psalm 40, for instance, wherein, and when I speak to myself through the Psalms, then I say to myself, I say, Jesus Christ said that a body was prepared for him, and that body represents, um, you know, in, in that body he will take away all sin. And when I look at the perfection of the resurrection in Christ, when I look at how he fulfilled the prophets, how he fulfilled the writings of the Psalms, how the Old Testament comes and talks about Christ, then I directly connect it to myself and I, can, I have a word about myself. So when I look at the Old Testament, when I look at what um, the old Psalms and hymns and all those things they were, were singing, which was all the time uh, connected to some writings in the Bible, uh, you know, then you speak to yourself in that psalm. 
So if there is a psalm that says you are a high priest uh, forever according to the order of Melchizedek, I mean, what does it actually say, uh, friends? It says that there is a man that is in an undying, immortal order wherein this human, Jesus Christ, would forever be the high priest of man. Now, how do I say it to myself? Therefore, I say to myself, Bertie, in Christ, you are united with God forever. And when I start to talk about this unity, when I start to talk to myself about the, uh, when I actually start to talk the word of God, and I'm not talking about the Bible, I'm talking about the message that God is conveying through Christ to you. When I start to talk that to myself, church, what happens? I am flooded and filled with the spirit of truth, with the, with the Holy Spirit. And as wine would you, would, you would drink wine and get intoxicated with it, you'll be under the influence of that uh, intoxication and it will alter your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings. In the very same way, you know, we will, we will be intoxicated, if you can use that word uh, in connection with the Holy Spirit. You'll be intoxicated with the concept of your union with God, of your innocence, of, your, uh, of the love that He has for you, of what is done for you in Christ. And then it goes on there, it says, giving thanks unto the Lord. So how are we filled with the Holy Spirit? When we can see a word about our union with God, where we can look at the Old uh, Old Testament scriptures and the Psalms and the hymns and we can sing it over ourselves and, and we can look at those, those Old Testament scriptures which all pertain to Christ and when we see it pertains to Christ it talks to us it's got a message that it wants to convey to us and that message says that he has ended the separation that there was he's ended the slavery your war is over your sins are pardoned you have been united with God in Christ, that, um, that you are co-seated with Him, that you are a co-heir of the very resurrection life that is in Christ. Now, as we say this and as our minds get filled with this, our emotions get filled with this, it's likened, you know, almost unto drinking alcohol wherein you are under the influence of it. And uh, one of the verses there, if you look at um, verse uh, 21, it says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Submitting yourselves to one another is when you've come to the conclusion where you speak to the, your, your neighbor, when you look at your neighbor, when you look at, your, at, at another nation or ethnic group, you wouldn't say, well, they're Gentiles and we are Jews anymore. You would say, man, we are the same. Um, you know, uh, like Jesus prayed, and this is an important prayer. You know, Jesus united us with the Father. But Jesus also prayed and said, Father, I pray that they will be one as we are one. So there's a unity that takes place between us as, as we accept this truth. We find that um, we, as we become one with God, we are one with one another. And I believe that is where we get gifts like uh, the gift of, of, of knowledge and wisdom and all those kind of things where you can, 
feel what your neighbor feels. You, you can feel his pain. You can feel his joy. You can, you can uh, uh, also know the good that the Spirit of God feels inside him because we have been united. So the way in which we are filled with the Spirit people is not just uh, closing our eyes saying, Oh Lord, fill me and, and falling out under the power and uh, then having the supernatural power just to do signs, wonders and miracles. We are not against miracles. We are for miracles. We are for the supernatural. And I trust that even as I preach to you now that healing can take place and, and miracles can happen in your life. But to me, what, is, what I found in Scripture in my relationship with God that I want to encourage you with is be filled by the, by, with the Holy Spirit by speaking to yourself through Psalms and hymns. Speak to yourself thanking God. That's what it says. Speak to yourself by thanking God. So, whenever you read the scripture, your bottom line conclusion has to be that this scripture talks about what Christ had to fulfill and that has got an effect on me. Therefore, I cannot exclude myself from what Christ has done. I cannot exclude myself from his death because when he died, he died my death. You know, when he was raised, he brought forth a new kind of a being. And that is the being that now beholds the glory of God and then are changed into what he beholds by the Spirit of the Lord. The word spirit is very important to understand. The word spirit um, can mean personality or vital principle. In the Greek, it literally means a vital principle or the life of God. If you say the Spirit of God, you talk about the life that is inside God, the, the life principle on which he, by which he lives, his very personality, his person, uh, you know, who he is, that is the Spirit of God. And that Spirit is, the, the fruit of having that Spirit is love, joy, peace, and all those kind of things. So, we are now under the ministration of the Spirit. We are not under the Lord. We are under the ministration that says the principle that's true in the Trinity uniting the Father and Son is what unites us. The principle of um, like Jesus was raised by the Holy Spirit in the very same way that Spirit raises us from our, from our death. And what is that Spirit? This Lord is the Spirit. So the Spirit wherein we dwell is the Spirit that God came to serve us. The Spirit of not, our, not the spirit of slavery where we are enslaved to the law, but the spirit of lordship where Christ lords over us by um, serving us. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. So when we are in the spirit of God gave us his life as a free gift, he gives us righteousness as a free gift. Church, when that spirit floods our life, we find the fruit of that Spirit in us and we are born of that Spirit. So let us be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's go on to, um, to verse 22 there. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now um, the context here is obviously uh, inside Christianity where it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. And I, I believe even if you're married to a guy that is not a Christian, you know, um, be submissive to him, you know, unless he tells you don't believe in Jesus. I mean, obviously, you're going to obey the Lord above him. Um, but here it says, you know, and, and the context here is obviously in the church. It says, wives, submit unto your own husbands. And I like what it says here, submit unto your own husbands. Just some 
practical advice here, you know, um, for, for, for the ladies. Just know that um, your, your husband, and just from a man's perspective, when a woman submits to him, not as a slave, but saying, you know, the advice you give me, I know that the advice you give me is unto life for me and that you've got uh, the best interest at heart for me. Um, and you see your wife submits to that, it does something for her husband. It really does something for his heart, seeing that she, uh, she submits as unto the Lord. And when we submit as unto the Lord, we submit unto the Lord knowing that the Lord brings us life. So in the very same way, uh, a husband, and that's what he continues to say there, let us love our wives. How are we going to love our wives? By serving our wives the way Christ served us. How did he serve us? To bring us life. So as husbands, and if you're watching here, you're married, um, when, you, when you think of your wife, when you think of what you say to her, when you think of how you, uh, you know, what you say to her during the day, always know that those words shapes her life. And say it from a perspective where you say, man, my words can bring life to her. And I want to dress her in dazzling white silk by shining with radiance by what I say to her. And how does Christ treat us in the very same way? And we're going to look at that now. Um, let us look at verse 23 there. 23 says, um, For the husband is the head of the wife, and even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church subjects unto Christ, so let the wife, uh, so let the wives be unto their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it. So here it says, Husband, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, and gave himself for it. That is very important. We're going to look at that. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So he says here, husband, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that, he should be, that, that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their own wives as their own bodies. Key word there again. So, what is he saying here? He is saying, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for it or for the church. And then he connects that to the physical body and the body of Christ. So what he's actually saying here, he says, Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. How does Christ treat the church? He gave himself for the church. Now listen to those words again. He gave himself for the church. So what it means is he made his body the church. He gave himself, he made himself available. He gave himself for the church. And then, listen to this, when he gave himself for the church, he created a word about the church. That's what that verse says. Let's look at that again. Um, he says here that he might, um, sorry about that, verse 24. 
Husbands, verse 25, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. He gave himself, in other words, he made himself available for the church, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word. So, he gave himself for the church so that he could sanctify the church with a new word. So what you are saying is, I'm going to become a human being. And then I'm going to take this body and I'm going to put this body um, at the right hand of the Father. The person who believes in this truth, the very same spirit that, is, that dwells in me, when he believes this, that spirit of faith starts to dwell in him. Then the, the, the truth in the Torah is the truth about this person. And now God has created a new word about that person. And the way in which he treats us is by giving his body as the body of you, representing you. Therefore, he's got a brand new word about you. So he can now have this word spoken over you, and, and this word can be the truth about you, and then when you believe this word, you find that this word shapes your life and washes your mind from every wrong belief that you've ever had. And that you, it washes you, it cleanses you to the point where you see yourself as perfect and holy and washed. That's how God treats the church in Christ. How does he treat the church? He gave himself, he made who he is available for the church. If I make myself available for my wife, in the same sense as what it's written here, it would, it would be that I would go and say to the, um, I would go to a shop, open an account and say, this is available for her, she can buy on that account. That means that they would see me um, and her as the same person when we buy there. It is in my name. In the very same way, God made who he really is available for the church and united, uh, united himself with us. And in that uniting, he, um, where he became a man and was seated as a man at the right hand of the Father, He's got a brand new word about man. The word about man is not anymore that man is a slave, man is in Egypt, man is bound. No, there's a brand new word now. The word is Jesus, for God united himself with man in Christ. Now, we hear that word as we have that word uh, fall into our belief and come forth. What do we find? We find that he builds his life into our lives right now. And that is how he treats you. He's never going to speak bad about his own body. He's never going to speak bad about himself. He created a new word about you, a new reality about you. The reality and the truth about mankind in Adam was that man was not sitting in co-fellowship with God. Um, the reality and the truth was that man was still in the image and likeness of God, but that this being that is in the image and likeness of God was now in slavery to another system and another belief. And they didn't have a reality that they could turn back to where they could see, man, I see man united with God. I see the same spirit that dwells in God, you know, dwelling in a human being. And when you can believe that, that truth can, start a, can come to your heart and shape your heart.
I mean, that, that wasn't available. But then God came in Christ. And what did He do? He took a man, put him at the right hand of the Father, and created a brand new word. Now, everyone who receives that spirit, the spirit of union, what are we preaching? What's the gospel we preach? We preach the gospel that slavery has ended. The war is over. God has taken away your sin. There's a man seated at the right hand of God. Um, the Spirit of God dwells in a man. And that man is united with God. And that is the place for every person. God prepared a place for every man. Now, the person who believes yeah, that's true. The person who believes my sin's been taken away. The person that believes, you know, I'm the God kind and I call upon the truth. I'm willing to say that the name of God can be written behind my name. What happens with that person? He's accepting the very Spirit of God. And when you accept the Spirit of God into your heart by accepting the Word, because the Bible also says the Word is the Spirit, what happens? That Spirit gives birth to a brand new life in you. Isn't that awesome? So the way God treats you is this way. He created the reality and He speaks that reality to you. That's how He treats the church. How will God correct you? He will always go to that reality, look at what you believe, and if, if what you believe is not in line with His word about you, which is Jesus, He will tell you, my son, you are not right in what you believe about yourself here. Here you believe that you need to do five things to to get a smile on my face. Yeah, you believe you need, you can find your life in the glory of your own ability and your own works and even what I gave you or what I blessed you with. My son, you were wrong. That is not where glory is. I've glorified man in Christ. I've glorified this man Christ and that glory now belongs to you. My righteousness belongs to you. I give it to you. You know, in the week I, I spoke to somebody about righteousness and they said to me that they disagree with me on my take on righteousness and that righteousness basically didn't come to every man and you're only righteous if you believe. Now, yes, the scripture also states, and I read this this morning again, you know, and next Sunday I'm going to talk about this, that we are righteous when we believe and that is a certain kind of righteousness. But righteousness has been given unto every man. And I said to this guy, I said it this way, I said, if you give your son a car, Whose car is it? It's the son's car. If the son never makes use of that car and decides to walk, whose car is it? It's still the son's car. In the very same way, the righteousness of God is towards man and available for man. And it belongs to a man. For um, the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will convince us of righteousness because Jesus goes to His Father. So the fact that Jesus is with the Father, that is the message of righteousness that can be preached to the world. That righteousness is the righteous act that God has done, which now is towards every man. And from that righteousness, your life can be shaped. But that righteousness is a free gift for everyone. So let us receive what was given unto us. It is our righteousness. The righteousness of God belongs to every man, even the sinner. It belongs to the sinner. The difference between the church and the guy who has not made use of the righteousness is simply this. The one believes upon it and the other one doesn't. When you believe this, then your life is born from it. If you want to read my book, Born from Innocence, I've explained that in depth. We need to end this message off and I'm going to just read this passage in the message translation um, let's go to the message and read it there. It says here, um, 
wives, in verse 22, uh, sorry, let's go to verse, verse uh, 25. I want to go to verse 25. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving and not getting. Oh my goodness, friends. You know, a love marked by giving and not getting. I mean, if you are with people in the house there, you know, you just say to your friend or your, your wife or your friend next to you, say, a love marked by giving and not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. I like this. His words evokes her beauty. The way in which God will bring forth beauty in you is by speaking beautiful things about you, evoking the beauty that is already in you. Remember the teaching I taught on the reason why God loves the church? He doesn't love the church or the world. He doesn't love the world because, um, you know, He's just a, a God of love. He loves the world for there's a reason. The world is lovable. The world is beautiful. The only thing is the world was in slavery. And then Jesus Christ came, took away the sin of the world. Now He has got a beautiful word about mankind. He's got the word that says, I took away your slavery. He's got the word that says, I paid for your sins. He's got a word that says, um, you know, my, uh, this man, Jesus Christ, is the word about you. That is the word. And now the beauty that is inside man can be evoked and it can, be, and it can come forth when this word is heard and believed. And then this word can be sown in the heart and the word can bring forth fruit. It is not your job to bear forth fruit. God made it His responsibility to clean you. God made it His responsibility to bring righteousness to you. God made it His responsibility to sanctify you. And we can look at that again. Let's just look at that again in the um, King James Version here. Or modern King James. He says here in verse 25, um, Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject to their own husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church um, and gave himself for it. He gave himself, why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. So here we see that God made it his responsibility to sanctify you and cleanse you with a word. So he made it his responsibility to create a new reality and from that reality, he can wash your mind, he can wash your wrong belief by preaching a new word, a new truth. So when we hear the new truth and we are willing to hear the new truth and we're willing to look deep into this law of perfect liberation from legalism and the flesh and the law and we see ourselves liberated from every form of distance between us and God and we see ourselves liberated from the belief system where we by our flesh and by our works have to build up this glorious report about ourselves so that we can find life from that glory 
You know, when we see perfect liberation there and we see that he has united us with him and when we believe that truth, you know what happens? You, you are sanctified, not just in the sanctification of being sanctified from being under the law system or being taken out of Egypt, but you're also sanctified from the wrong belief you believe and therefore you will be, he by his resurrection power will sanctify your emotions and your feelings and your words and your actions. He made it his responsibility to sanctify you. It's not your responsibility to sanctify you. What you need to do is submit yourself to Christ. Like a wife, submit herself to the husband. Submit yourself to Christ as we, you know, it says, wives, submit yourself to your husband as we submit ourselves to Christ. How do we submit ourselves to Christ? By saying, well, Lord, you will care for me. You know, in the old days, the wife was not the one that was uh, the breadwinner. She was at home, she raised the kids, she maybe helped a little bit there, had her own vegetable garden, those kind of things. But the man was the guy who went out, worked and cared for his own family. And if you submitted to the wife, you said, well, I submit to your care for me. You will care for me. You take the responsibility to treat me with love and care and provide for me and all those kind of things. In the very same way, let us not try to take care of our own righteousness and our own holiness and our own sanctification. He took care of it. And let us submit ourselves to Christ. You know, as what a wife submits to his, her husband, let us so submit to Christ and say, Thank you, Lord, that you treat me with respect. You've got a good word about me. You will never ill-treat your own body. You have made me one with you. I am your body. I am one with you. You love me as what you love yourself. You treat me well. And then we will find as we do that, we are intoxicated with the Spirit. And the Spirit will uh, alter our um, emotions, our thoughts, everything inside us um, because of this powerful truth. Let us um, look again at that verse quickly in the message here. It says, um, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving and not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evokes her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. That's how God treats you, church. Oh my goodness, I just feel tears coming to my eyes if I re when I read that. You know, His love makes the church whole. Glory to God. His words evoke her beauty. Everything He does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husband ought to treat his wife. They are really doing themselves a favor since they are already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No. He feeds and pampers it. That is how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. Glory to God. Isn't that powerful? We are part of his body. And the way he treats us, treats us is by feeding us, pampering us. He takes care. He knows that in Him feeding us, Him pampering us, and He taking care of us by creating a brand new word in Christ that He can speak over us, is how He will cleanse us and present us as His bride, as united with Him, not just in spirit, but in physical manifestation in this life. 
So practically, what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to look at this situation? Very simple. How, you know, how do I bring this home? What I do practically in my life, especially when I get to bed at night, you know, just when, before I fall asleep, I close my eyes and I see, I say, Holy Spirit, I pray a little bit in tongues or I just see, you know, I just say, thank you, Father, for showing me my unity. And the Holy Spirit brings forth in me a picture of my perfect union with the Father. I see purity like pure water, clear, bright light shining out of me. I'm perfectly united with Him. And from there, I just find the Holy Spirit. I just start to um, bring forth thoughts of beauty and love and union with Him. Many times, as the, 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 you know, it, it is just a, a place of bliss where I can't say, well, I'm thinking of this or that. It's just a place of feeling holy and radiant because I see Him speaking a good word over me. You know, when I look at the Old Testament, at the Psalms, you know, and I think of these, all these Old Testament scriptures, um, you need to know this. Let, let me say this. This book, this Bible can be the most dangerous book you can ever read, yet it can be the most liberating book. When you read this Bible, you need to read inside the interpretation of Christ. That means any Old Testament verse you read, any Old Testament passage must be spiritually interpreted, pointing to Christ, wherein we see the sacrifice of Jesus on how He sanctified us, how He cleansed us, and how He died our death, how He was raised up, brought forth a brand new man, a man that can now live by the reality of a man in the Trinity. How He made of Jew and Gentile one new man, and how we reconcile that man back unto God by not imputing their trespasses. And when we hear that word, it sanctifies our belief from a wrong belief. And when our belief, because a man as he believes in his heart so easy, and from the heart flows the issues of life, as we find we believe what he believes, church, then we find his life manifesting in us. And so we find that we love one another, we care for one another, and we embrace one another. We go to a web church and we fellowship with each other on web church. Um, we've got kind words to each other. I so enjoy the fellowship that I have with the web pastors. You know, once a week we come together, all of us, and we just fellowship. Oh my goodness, I enjoy that. It's so encouraging. It's so wonderful that I can go and sit there in the presence of those pastors, if it's just via Skype. And when I look at them, I look up to them. I don't look down thinking, I'm here to teach you. I, I sit there and I just think... Oh my goodness, here is somebody that God speaks well of. Here is somebody that God finds joy living in. And as God lives in this person, there's a message that this person feels, an emotion that he feels, a reality that's inside his heart. And I am hungry to hear what Christ in him has got to say about me, for I know it's going to be good. And I can go in there with a humble heart, willing to learn. And so we encourage one another. I tell you people, as I've discovered this message of grace, my life has changed. The whole way we do church has changed. Everything has changed. Glory to God. I would like to pray for you right now. So practically, what you can go and do is just say, Lord, you know, I close the Bible sometimes. I sing. I will sing a spiritual song. I will sing a song, a hymn, or I'll think of a hymn, uh, something about Christ. And that word of Christ is a word about me. And that word about me will give me a brand new life. Glory to God. Isn't that awesome? Well, guys, I want to just say this just as I end the service. I want to tell you that uh, you guys that watch this, 
are really privileged to watch this message for I forget I forgot to press record so I can't upload the message after the service so there's not going to be a message available um, so you have enjoyed this so there will not be a message this week um, I'll make another short one maybe on Monday uh, but you guys, you guys got this message and the other guys will not have it. But this truth is still available for everybody. So uh, just know, when you think of Him, it is a word about you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit by thinking of things where ingratitude can come to your heart about God. And when that thought of gratitude, Oh God, you took away my sin. Oh God, you brought righteousness for me. Oh God, you love me. Oh God, you are awesome. Look at how I'm united with you. Thank you. I see Christ united with the Father. I see those things. I see a man in the Trinity. Oh, thank you, Father. That is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that I can just stretch forth my hands towards every person that watch here on this web church. They are so beautiful. They are so wonderful. They are, they are an awesome people. Thank you, Father, for the love that you have towards them. Thank you, Father, for the care that you have. Thank you that we can come as, um, web, uh, as web pastors and as people that can just minister to them, you know, with a, with a heart that says, we love you, we care for you. I thank you this week their minds will be enlightened concerning your good news and they will be filled with the Holy Spirit and that they will see how you treat us, the church, and how you made it your responsibility to bring sanctification and life to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for watching this. Um, uh, please, you know, go on to our uh, uh, web church if you want some fellowship. Click, you know, there are web pastors available right now. All of them aren't available every Sunday, obviously. But if you need some counsel or if you need some prayer, just click on onto one of the pictures of the web pastors. See if they're available on Facebook. They'll be there right now willing to pray for you. So if you've got any prayer request, please connect with the web pastor. If you've got any question, connect with them. Um, if there's something I say that they can't explain to you, they will be in connection with me and, and, and then um, connect with you again, giving you the answers that you might need. Thank you so much and God bless you. Mm -hmm.